everybody and welcome back to the Rogue Agronomist Podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. Say that 10 times fast. And uh, we're back. It's 8.30 on a Wednesday night. Uh, I just got myself out of my gator. Uh, I've been kind of busy. Usually I try to get these out about every two weeks. And this year I've picked up, I went from zero acres of soil sampling in 2019 to, uh, I think we're over 6,000 acres and I continually keep adding more. Uh, it's almost, the, well, it's the middle of November and as guys are wrapping up harvest, we keep getting uh, getting more acres to do. So it's it's been pretty interesting and trying to do everything else. And I've been working a lot of nights and a lot of weekends trying to get caught up. Uh, as guys are wrapping up harvest, uh, the other part of my job is going to start getting busy. Um, one thing that's been on my mind a lot lately and one thing that I've been paying attention to quite a bit more recently, let's just say, is yield data. Uh, the title of this episode, I think, is going to be like, Yield Data is King, with a question mark. And a lot of it revolves around, we, we spend so much time collecting data, and we, we spend a lot of time analyzing that data uh, every year. And it gets kind of to the point where it maybe is more data than what is useful for us. Now, yeah, that seems like, you know, Kyle's the did data guy, the precision farming guy, and he talks a lot about making sure that we get the right data and everything's correct. But at the same time, a lot of the data that we collect is based on a very small sample set, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, well, we have 1,500 acres and we take, you know, a sample every 10 seconds and we have, I don't know, uh, millions of sample points, right? It's a very small data set uh, in, in a really big scheme uh, if you, if you kind of look at it. So you're, you're taking one year's worth of data from one hybrid and most of my customers and people that I know and I work with, we, we don't plant one hybrid across our entire farm on every soil type. We plant multiple different hybrids, different maturities, different planting dates, a lot of different things and different variables go into one season. Now, you know, if I have hybrid A, brand new hybrid, uh, the odds of it doing well on my farm every single year you know, if it's the top hybrid this year and it's brand new, it's very unlikely that next year that's going to be the number one hybrid on your farm. It's possible, and it it will it does happen, but it doesn't happen every year. And a lot of that goes back to is you know what was the growing season like this year? You know, we got um, in some areas I had nearly perfect growing conditions. Other areas we had some trials and. Some tribulations with drought stress. Um, we weren't officially in a drought, but we did get pretty dry at one point. And we've had one of the warmer years. And so what, what can next year bring? You know, we've had four or five years of really wet weather in a row. Next year could be a totally different story. Uh, it could be a very dry year. It could be a very hot year. It could be a very cool year. And a lot of those hybrids that are rising near the top this year uh, could be middle of the pack or even bottom of the pack next year. And the struggle I have is we try to base next year's seed condition or seed um, seed order based on the growing conditions we saw this year, right? We we're looking at all this yield data, and we're pulling in plot data, and we're pulling all kinds of things, and we're trying to pinpoint what hybrids we're going to grow next year. The biggest thing I can tell you is try to cast kind of a wide net, right? We want to try to broaden that chance that next year we're going to have success 
So we don't want to plant just one hybrid. We want to plant several different ones, um, maybe some different traits, different, different genetic families, um, you know, and even brands, you know, I used to sell the Calb um, and a different, some corn state genetics, Monsanto genetics, now bear in different bags. And, you know, they weren't obviously the same hybrids, but even selecting different genetic families within the same company uh, gives you some protection, right? There's, um, there's a very popular hybrid lineup uh, that I used to sell that I would say a third to maybe even half of their lineup use the same female. That female is very popular. It was in almost all their hybrids, it seemed like, at least the most popular ones. I could have a guy that would plant five different hybrids from me, and every single one of them had the same female in it. The male was the only thing that was a little bit different, and they all kind of acted about the same. They were very uh, somewhat determined ear. They were about the same plant stature. Um, they had some of the same characteristics. They were a little yellowish uh, during the growing season. Number one stuff we sold, but all a lot from the same genetic family and the same basically family. It'd be like, you know, everybody you, you bought or you, uh, you had the same parents basically, but you have a different nose or something, but you all have the same depth or deposition for, you know, Everybody in the family has a higher risk of cancer or something like that. That's where we run into issues. So a lot of the time, I try to get guys to plant things that were a little different. We would come out with some things that didn't share the same female and male from a different hybrid. So those are the things that I focus on. But at the same time, you don't get a lot of that information. That's that's the struggle we have. You just want the good ones, right? Somebody asked me the other day, what was my favorite hybrid that we sold uh, on the Pioneer side? And I said, I don't have a favorite. And that I, I could just tell when I said that it was something they'd not heard before. And the reason I don't have a favorite hybrid is because every single year things are going to change. You're going to have different variables. If I tell you I like this hybrid, that's the only hybrid you're going to want to plant because Kyle told you <laughs> that's his favorite hybrid. I really, it, and it all depends on the soil conditions you're going into um, what your management style is like, uh, all these other things. We're slightly getting off topic, so let's get back to the yield data. But these are the things that we focus on, but at the same time, so now we're going to start talking again about the yield data part of it. So I have a lot of guys that are trying to analyze the data from 2020 to make decisions on 2021. I have one particular customer that wants all the plot data I can get them. I need to see plot data. I want plot data. We'll get them plot data. And what's it going to tell them? This hybrid was the cream of the crop. This thing is the best thing ever. Last year, that hybrid is probably about middle of the pack. Um, who knows what next year's growing conditions are going to be like. I would say, yeah, you're going to want to plant that hybrid. But you're also going to plant this hybrid because last year it was really good. Um, you also want to work with somebody that's going to kind of tell you, hey, you know, I know in our area, not a lot of guys plant this, but in other areas they do. We think that it can move into this area. We have some data that shows it's doing well here. Those are the things why I think plot data is really good. It's nice to see these things and try to get um, some information on these individual hybrids and how they respond to different management and how they respond to what you do. The other side of that coin is we think plot data is really good, but plot data isn't everything. 
Now let's talk about your farm data, right? You've got this great farm data. Um, everything's calibrated on the combine. We're doing side-by-sides in every field. And, you know, you want you want to know in this specific spot of this field, how does this do? You know, when I go over this hill and this is the best spot of that field and this is the worst spot and I want to see where it is. I know I have a guy who called me this morning. He wants me to pull up his yield monitor data. And I said, well, all that stuff is actually backed up on your, um, on your, another program you use. And you can circle those areas in the field and it'll give you, you know, how each hybrid did. It'll break it down. You'll have all that yield data information. You can break it down by moisture, whatever you do. Greenland offers that. FieldView offers that. There's a bunch of different apps that will be able to give you that ability. He goes, no, no, no. I want my side-by-sides. I want exactly where I went with the yield monitor on this one and this one. I'm like, okay, we can do that, but that is going to take me another program and I'm going to take hours of my time to do this. And I've done this before. We, we've done this. I've been through this every year with this person. And every year we do it, it always seems like, well, this one, it was two bushel this way. This one, it was five bushel that way. And at the end of the day, we sit there and go, well, huh, what do we do with this? You know, it, it, in this spot, it won. And then you go two spots over and it it, it, it lost. And then this one won. And then, then this one lost. And we, we spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to learn what hybrids do well and when I can simply go and do an app, break it down by soil type, break it down by hybrids, uh, I can break it down by anything and everything, and we can have that all planned out. Um, and this person also uses variable replanting, so we can break it down by planting rates, um, you know, yield zones, we can do whatever he wants, but he wants his data. So we're going to spend a lot of time, we're going to go through all this stuff like he wants, which is fine, and that's how he wants to do it, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to my recommendation and my recommendations based on someone else's recommendations. And we're going to come up with a plan and it's going to end up, he's not going to use most of his yield data because we're going to be like, there's nothing here that's going to help us. Seems really weird and like confusing, but I've done this before. We've selected the hybrids based exactly on these fields. And then we get out in the next year, the planner starts rolling and he just works through maturity. We started 103, 104 day corn and we end up at 96 and it doesn't matter what field it is, this hybrid, because it is 101 day, that's what the longest day it's on the, on the uh, tender, that's what's going to go in that field. So why do we spend so much time on yield data? Because we are basically just throwing it all away, right? So what we end up doing is selecting hybrids based on his range and, and working through his different soil types. So this is one of those things where we spend a lot of time collecting data, spending time analyzing this data. And at the end of the day, we spend zero, um, we basically get nothing from it. And we end up just basically making recommendations based on what we think is going to be right. And then the next year, some other hybrid he's going to like is going to be different. Now, this doesn't happen on every farm, but this does happen a little bit more often than, than it probably should. We, we seem to feel get a lot of people telling us we got to collect data. You got to use your data. You got to use that data. I think yield data, and I've talked about this before, is very good for targeting, trying to create zones of where we think better yielding areas are, trying to figure out why these poor yielding areas are, are not doing as well as they should be. Yield data is really good for that. Yield data is also good for trying to create variable rate seeding. 
um, working with variable rate nitrogen rates. Um, there's a d numerous things we can do with that data. When we start talking about hybrid performance, a lot of that data helps us maybe potentially point us in the right direction. You know, obviously it's going to tell you if there's a hybrid that just does not do well at all. But when we start getting into the middle of the pack and the upper part of that, that realm, it seems like we get a lot of crowding in there. We get a lot of hybrids that are very, very similar. Uh, there's not, there's a lot of parity. They're, they're basically from number one to number five on the farm this year, there's probably a two bushel difference. And that's across, you know, 50, 70 acres of each one. So now what do we do, right? You know, next year we plan them and it'll be totally different. And we basically just collect all this data, spend hours and hours analyzing it, and we don't use it. We end up relying on the things I'm good at, which is looking at plots, looking at different fields, looking at different zones, trying to match up hybrids with different management types. I have a lot of guys that are more into the uh, semi-flex here now, just because we have some lower populations in some poorer spots. And then we have had issues, especially in some of our clay soils, where we see reduced plant populations based on weather. When we get cool in spring, wet in spring, we start seeing some of these seedling diseases show up. And we, especially this year, I had places where, I don't know, maybe we had 22,000, 25,000 plants at harvest. Those spots with the semi-flex year still yielded over 200 bushel or right around. When we started getting into a fixed year, we started seeing 160, 170, 180. That's when we had problems. So it was more about you know, our final stand than it was about the hybrid as much as anything. But this stuff is all things that I think are very important to a farm. We, we need to focus on, on hybrid selection based on recommendations and using utilizing people like me and people that know what the heck they're talking about see these hybrids respond to different management, different areas. The yield data when selecting hybrids to me is kind of an old, old thing. It's something that, um, you know, it's a nice thing to see. We'll be able to separate what, what did well this year. You know, we can kind of separate out, you know, you can basically take that bottom third, wipe it out, say those are not something I want. Here's the ones I do want. I think it's good for that. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of our yield data is more should be and is more suited towards making management zones and creating different variable rate prescriptions. Those are the things I think it helps us focus on some management decisions we can make. When it comes to hybrid selection, I think a lot of that yield data is is something that's not going to really help us with a lot. So anyway, just just my thoughts, some things I've been thinking about while I'm driving through the fields and it's, it's nine o'clock almost at night, phone's binging and the printer's going. And uh, we're, we're trying to get ready for tomorrow and get some more sampling done and, and get through some more yield stuff and, and, and talk to guys about seed. And I've got guys already starting to try to do some input stuff for next year. And we've got some marketing decisions to make. So lots of stuff going on. It's, it's not going to end this year. We're going to be making a lot of decisions now and until the end of the year. Then after the first of the year, we're going to focus on uh, a lot of different trials and some other stuff for next year. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. I'll catch you next time.